Bible reading this morning is from Psalm 91. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Isabel, for the Bible reading. Uh, Just before I open God's word for us, if your car has got the registration number, uh, VW Kian JGP and the Peugeot, XCZ008. Uh, can I please ask you to move your car because apparently it's blocking the the driveway. Uh, so we, will you please um, move your car because it's blocking the driveway. Just before I open God's word uh, for us, um, just as Kate said, next week. It's exciting. We are starting a new series on the anthems of the age. It's a great evangelistic opportunity. So if you know friends or family, it's the beginning of the year. Uh, They are still setting the New Year's resolution. This is really a great opportunity for you uh, to invite them uh, for those three weeks. And today, our passage that Isabel wrote for us is uh, Psalm 91. Remember last week, Eddie opened Psalm 74 for us. This was just a two series on the Psalms, and I'll be ending it today. So please, let's bow our head and pray as we come to God's Word. Lord God, we thank you that we can come together as your people. We thank you because you have redeemed us into your family. You've paid off your life so that in you we can have life. And for that reason, we can call each other brother and sister in Christ, and Christ himself being our older brother. So as we meet now, Lord, we pray that your spirit will meet with us. Your spirit will help us to see you for who you are. It will open our hearts and minds so that we will understand your word. And as your servant, Lord, I pray that the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to you. 
O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. We live in a dangerous, broken world. You do not need to have lived longer to know that life is full of surprises. Some of them are good, and some of them are unwanted. They are bad, they are sad ones. So many tragic and unexpected events hit our lives or the lives of our beloved ones. And the past two years with COVID have been but a bitter test of the brokenness of this world. People that we know lost their lives. People that we know lost their jobs. And many others are still recovering from the damages that COVID caused in their lives. And this is the reality of our world. What is that one voice that we all need to hear when the world around us is crumbling apart? What is that one voice that we all need to hear when we come face to face with the reality that life is so fragile? What is that one voice that we need to hear when death is looming around us and when fear is our closest friend? What is that one voice that we all need to hear? Our passage this morning is one of the many voices from the Bible that we need to hear. Listen to verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This is a voice not from a human being, but from God himself being the ultimate author of the Bible. And this voice is reassuring us that he is our refuge and our fortress. Clearly, he is all that we need. He is the voice of comfort when the world around us is crumbling apart. He is the voice of comfort when fear surrounds us. Some scholars have called this psalm a psalm for danger, for times of exposure, or of challenging the power of evil. God is our refuge when we are afraid. You see, the book of Psalms is a, is a, a better place to go when we are overwhelmed, whether with joy or with sadness, and we do not know how to express our hearts to God. But at the same time, it helps us to find comfort from God, from him, during difficult times that we might be going through. And when we look at Psalm 91 that Isabel read for us earlier on, you can't miss the big thing that is running through this psalm of God being our refuge. 
the Lord, my refuge. And this is what this psalm is all about. It speaks about the confidence that the believer has in God. The protection that is in God in the midst of danger. And when the author expresses his trust in the Lord as his refuge, he also invites us, he invites fellow believers to seriously consider what that implies. Look in verse 2, he says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And goes, going to verse 3, what he does, he addresses the fellow believer. For he will deliver you from the snare of the faller and from the deadly pestilence. Same with verse 9 and verse 10. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil will shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. So after he expresses his confidence, he wants to invite us to see how this God is our refuge. Verse 1 and verse 2, they set the tone for this psalm. In these two verses, the author uses four metaphors of security. Verse 1 and verse 2, those four metaphors are shelter, shadow, refuge, fortress, which all have in common this idea of protection that the Lord gives. He also uses four names of God. He starts with most high, just means that he is high above every other power. He uses almighty, which means God of all power. Lord with the capital letters, which is Yahweh, I am. And finally, God, which is the general name. But even when he uses that, he makes it personal. He, just, he doesn't just say God. He says, my God in whom I trust. And he does use these four metaphors and these four names of God because he doesn't want us to miss the trust that he has in this God for his protection. Otherwise, verse 1 and verse 2, he could have just said, I trust in God who is my protection. He could have just said that. Or else, if I read it, he could also say, he who dwells in the protection of God, will dwell in the protection of God. I will say to God, my protection, my God in whom I trust. But he uses these metaphors to help us to see how this God is really a protection for him. And this is the beauty of the Hebrew poem, the way he writes it. He doesn't want us to miss that point. So as we dig into our passage, Psalm 91, we'll look at two main points that will help us to understand. The first one will be what this psalm is not about. And the second point will be what this psalm is all about. First of all, what this psalm is not about. Look with me verse 11 up to verse 13. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot under against a stone. You will tread on the lion 
and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. So when we read verse 1 and uh, verse 11 and verse 12, it reminds us of Matthew chapter 4, verse 5 and, and 6, or Luke chapter 4, verse 9 and 12, on the account of Jesus' temptation. And remember, this specific one was when the devil took Jesus at the pinnacle of the temple and asked himself to throw himself down. And he quoted these very words of Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. When Jesus was there, he told him, For he will command his angels concerning you to guide you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. That's what the devil told Jesus. But how did the devil use these very words? Well, the devil did what he always does. He cleverly manipulated this psalm. And he applied it where it does not apply. The devil always does that. Put in other words, what the devil did is that he intentionally misused the words of this psalm. So what is this psalm not about? First of all, we learn that this psalm is not about putting God to the test. Which is the answer that Jesus gave the devil when he was tempted? It's not about putting God to the test and hoping that he will protect us when we create our own artificial crisis. That's not what this psalm is all about. If today you decide to go to those highest buildings in Santon, maybe the Leonardo or the Michelangelo Towers, and call the people there and say, guys, I have faith in God. I will jump from this building and the angels will come and rescue me. Well, you may do that. You are free. But as to the outcome, don't involve God in your lack of wisdom. This psalm is not about putting God to the test. Second, we also learn that this psalm is not about head knowledge of God and his word. Just like from Matthew chapter 4 verse 5 or Luke chapter 4 verse 9, we saw that the devil does have the head knowledge of the scripture. The devil knows the word, maybe even better than you and me know it. That's why he could easily use God's word. He could easily quote from God's word and even misuse it because he knows it. This psalm is about trusting God and his word. That means head knowledge as well as heart knowledge of God. It's about believing in God for the protection that he can provide for you and for me. Yes, the devil knows the word, but he does not believe in the word. I pray that we know the word and we believe in the word. First point, it's not about putting God to the test. Second, not about head knowledge of the word. Finally, this psalm does not say that as God's children, we will not experience all the dangers that are said in this psalm. 
Of course, when you read verse 10 of our Psalm 91, it says that no evil shall be allowed to befall you. It's clear. But when you go through the rest of the Bible, for instance, when you go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 39, when Paul is writing to believers in Rome, Paul says that no evil will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And the context in which Paul was writing, the understanding is that all these evils that I mentioned here and the one that he mentions himself will be full believers but not separate them from the love of God. And the question you may ask yourself now, are these two passages contradicting each other? The answer is no. In fact, these two passages are emphasizing the same point, the same argument. Verse 38 of Romans 8 says that in all these things, and the things that Paul mentions are persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, distress. We can even add all the dangers that we find here in Psalm 91. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And John Stott put it nicely when he paraphrases uh, verse 37 of Romans 8 and says, In all these things, we are not saved from them, but we are saved in them. The negative are transmuted into positives by a divine alchemy the lead turns to gold. So we will experience them, but we are saved in them. We are more than conquerors in them because of Christ. That's our first point, what this psalm is not about. Let's now see what this psalm is all about. This psalm is all about trusting God for protection. I've said that and I repeat it again. You see, unlike our modern society today that tells us that we are not supposed to be scared or to be afraid or to fear anything or anyone, which is nothing but just a human pride and arrogance, the reality is that we are to be afraid. And why? Because we live in a very dangerous world. This is what Luther said. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, it is not such a foolish thing for men to be wary of evil, nor is it cowardly to hide oneself in God. Evil is there, danger is there. We can't just say we'll ignore them. They threaten our lives. Our psalm reminds us that God is all that we need when fear surrounds us. We can trust him for protection. And maybe the question is, how does that protection look like? First of all, from verse 1 and 2, the psalmist is probably, who is probably David, he is affirming that God is his refuge. You can't miss that when you read verse 1 and verse 2. He is a refuge 
or a protection when we are afraid. So this psalm is about faith. Faith of the psalmist in the all-powerful God. And this God is his shield. And this will help him to face all the dangers and fears of life. If God is your protection, if he is your shield, and you trust in him, he will help you to face all the dangers that this life can bring into you. There is this idea of trust. I trust in this God, which is very important. It's not just something you know in your head. You trust it. The believer will go through dangers, but he must dwell with God. So that's what verses 1 and 2 are all about. And then comes verse 3 up to verse 13. The author turns to his readers and expands how this refuge that the Lord is looks like. How this protection looks like. And three points here. First of all, this protection is a protection over all aspects of life. Read with me again verse 3 to verse 6. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinion, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. So God over the protection over all aspects of life. And the image that is used here, verse 4, is that of a protecting parent bird who would never let anyone touch the little ones that he's protecting. So for me, when I was thinking about it, it's more like we grew up, we had chicken back home. And you know when a chicken has got chicks, they're small ones. And how the mother is very protective against her chicks. When the raven comes and wants to take one of them, the, the chicken will fight. We used to see that jumping, fighting. When it starts raining, you'll see the chicken extend her wings and cover all the chicks. And that's the kind of protection that the psalmist is telling us. Under God's wings. And the dangers that are mentioned here, verse four to, uh, 3 to 6, snares of the fowler, pestilence, destruction, these are threats that will not discriminate anyone. They can affect anyone. Whether you are rich or whether you are poor, whether you are stronger, whether you are weaker, they can affect anyone. But the psalmist is telling us not to fear because God's wings cover us. God's wings cover the faithful. We might face them. We might face these dangers. But we should not fear them. Why? Because we are under God's wings. Nothing will touch our lives that God did not allow. That's what we, we learn here. 
And that's what I need to know when fear is around me. That nothing will touch my life unless God allows it. Why? I'm under his wings, the wings of the Almighty. Second, what do we learn about this protection that God offers? From verse 7 to verse 10, it's a bodyguard type of protection. A bodyguard type of protection. Let me read verse 7 to 10 for us. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with, with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. So verse 7 to 10, they give us the idea of God protecting the faithful one as a bodyguard would have done. If you and me would have had a bodyguard, this is the kind of protection that we would have expected. You know, the bodyguard job is a 24-7. You are there to protect the one that you are looking after. And if needs be, you need to take the bullet that is supposed to go to him. And that's what we have here in front of us. That's what God does for us. That the sense that we have here in this psalm from this verse 7 to 10. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Yes, the faithful is under attack, but the mighty bodyguard is there. It's a kind of reminder of the people of Israel when they were in Egypt with all the plagues. God was the bodyguard of the people of Israel. They witnessed the death of thousands of Egyptians, which was also their punishment for their wickedness, as we read in verse 8 of this passage. But God preserved his people. He was their bodyguard. God preserved Israel. Third point. So first of all, we saw that this is the protection over all aspect of, aspect of life. Second, it's a bodyguard type of protection. Third, supernatural protection. Read again with me verses 11 to 13. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hand they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and adder. The young lion and the serpent will trample underfoot. Here we come face to face, sorry, with a supernatural, miraculous protection from God for his faithful ones. And these faithful ones are victorious, not because they are strong, but because of God. That's why they can trample the enemy underfoot. If God is your protection, that means you are victorious. And we see that in Jesus. We'll see that later. This protection here consists of angels ministering to the faithful ones. And this concept of angels ministering to the faithful ones, it's not new in the Bible. Many places we read of God sending angels 
to his people. Recently, it was Christmas. In the birth narrative, we saw how the angel, Gabriel, he came to Mary, to Zechariah. So that's not new. When you go to, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12, you read of Peter when he was in prison, that God sent an angel to deliver him. So it's not new in the Bible that God sent his angels to minister to his faithful ones. But the knowledge that angels are sent by God to his children is not supposed to be a call of arrogance for the faithful ones as the devil saw it when he was tempting Jesus. When we looked at these verses earlier on, when we were trying to understand what this psalm is not all about, we mentioned the fact that this psalm is not about putting God to the test as the devil misused the words of this psalm. But it's about trusting God for protection in the situations which result from obedient service. I will say it again. This psalm is about trusting God for protection in the situation which results from obedient service. And Mr. Uh, friends said it again nicely, just in these same words. I remember back home in the early 2000s, my dad, my late dad, and one of his colleagues were going to visit some of the churches. It was just after one of the many wars that uh, the DRC had gone through. And during that time, what used to happen when people were traveling from one point to another, if you're using the bus, they had so many stops. So the soldiers will ask you to get off the bus. They check, they control, they see if there's no one carrying any gun. And then they will ask you guys to go in again and carry on because they were trying to make sure that uh, there's no one to disturb uh, what is happening? They want to settle, to take control of the whole city or the whole country. So on this one occasion, uh, when my dad and one of his colleagues were traveling, so they reached this one stop, and the soldier asked them to get out of the bus. And it happened that this one soldier who was in charge was drunk. So after he asked them, all to get off the bus, he noticed that my dad was wearing his white collar with his colleague. And apparently he said something like, I would shoot you guys because I've never shot a pastor. That's what he said. He pointed the gun to them, but somehow something went wrong with the gun and it could not release the bullets. And he said, you are lucky. Go into the bus and proceed your trip. After they arrived to the next stop, it was reported that that gun from that same soldier was now working because he kept trying. He was like, what's wrong with my gun? And they could hear him shooting because suddenly uh, it, it started working. So he shot in the, in the air. 
So this is the kind of situation we are talking about here where you experience God's miraculous protection that you cannot explain in your own words apart from God himself being in control. This is what verse 11 and 12 are telling us. And you might know many of these kind of stories. So when then dad came back home and explained to us after the whole trip what happened, of course we were scared and we were shocked. And rightly so. Why? Because we live in a very dangerous and broken world. This is the world we live in. But after reading Psalm 91, I find words of comfort to know that God looks after his beloved ones. You reach a stage where there's nothing you can do on your own, but you trust in the Lord. And this is what this psalm is reminding us. This supernatural protection from God is not for self-advantage, but it's for God's service. Finally, having seen what this psalm is not all about, and having seen what this psalm is all about, and the kind of protection that God gives his people, protection over all aspects of life, bodyguard type of protection, supernatural protection, the conclusive question is, can I confidently pray Psalm 91? Can I say these words of Psalm 91 with confidence? Let's look at a change of voice from verse 14 to, vo- to verse 16. Verse 14 up to verse 16. So when you start the whole passage, you see that the psalmist is talking. But here in verse 14, we have the change of voice, and God himself is speaking. And this is God himself making a pledge to care for his faithful ones. Let's read together, verse 14. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God pledges these blessings to the faithful one. He will deliver. He will protect. He will answer. He will be with him in trouble. He will rescue. He will honor. And you can see there's a kind of progression from protection to honor you. And of course, the God of the Bible is a personal and intimate God. That's why he can make these kind of pledges. Remember, this psalm is about trusting God for protection. How does that trust look like in the place that God is making here in these three last verses? First of all, it's about holding fast to God in love. Second, it's about knowing God's name. And third, it's about calling to God in times of trouble. And the question is, How can we hold fast to God in love? How can we know God's name? 
how can we call to God in times of trouble? Family, there's only one answer. It's only through Jesus. Through Jesus, all God's blessings and pledges and all that he makes here, they are amen to us. Through Jesus, all the blessings are yes to us. There is no other way to enjoy God's blessings and to enjoy the pledges that he's making here apart from Jesus. We get to know God's name, which means we get to know him as he is from head to heart only through Jesus who has secured our salvation. There's no other way. And of course, at the end, end of verse 16, there's this idea of eternal life. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Eternal life is also possible for all, only through Jesus. Yes, through Christ, I can confidently pray the words of Psalm 91. Jesus Christ is our protection for life and for death. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for reassuring us from your word that you are indeed our refuge and our protection when we fear or in times of trouble. And we pray that this will not just be a head knowledge, but it also be a heart knowledge, that we will know it and we will believe in it. And thank you for Jesus who made all this possible for us to enjoy your presence, your protection now until when we'll be with you. Amen.